People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. It's People of the Book on 101.9 High FM, and we have in studio a local author, lives in Johannesburg, although he was born quite far away. Alexander, is it Bajik? Uh, uh, Bajish. And uh, Alexander Bayish is the author of a book called Wanderings, published by Porcupine Press. And on the cover it says it's the retelling of the classical story of King Odysseus and Queen Penelope. So, welcome to our studio. Thank you. Before we go into anything else, can you please introduce yourself in your own words and on your own terms? Um, I was born in Belgrade, Serbia in uh, 1965. Um, I wrote some short stories um, in my home country and actually published a collection of stories there. Uh, when there were some political and economic problems in the early 90s, I came to South Africa. Uh, I worked here mostly in uh, conference and the financial services industries. I um, started writing again maybe about six years ago. Um, I mostly wrote uh, short stories, but after maybe a year or so, I decided to change uh, uh, the format and uh, then uh, started write, writing uh, a novel which is actually the novel that you got in front of you um, and yeah that's about it uh, as far as I'm as a writer concerned when you grew up you didn't grow up speaking English no you spoke Serbian correct but you write in English yes how did you find learning a new language and then putting your thoughts across in English um well, um, I suppose I, I, I've been a student of English for uh, over 40 years now um, because I learned it as a second language even in Serbia when I was in elementary school. Um, I actually got an honors degree in English from the Belgrade University. Um, as far as writing in English is concerned, uh, you actually have a, an advantage as a writer because you can revisit your text as many times as you want and you can keep polishing it, refining it until you're happy with it. So I don't think there is, uh, you know, a formula that can, you know, explain or help how, how it works. But, uh, but it does, you know, if you work at it, uh, it will happen. And, and there are many authors actually that, uh, that write in, in a language that's not their mother tongue. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Now, this is a retelling of the story of the Odyssey. What, uh, what is the reason for your fascination with the Greek classics, especially Homer's Odyssey? Well, I think, uh, you know, Greek history and mythology do have a lasting appeal. Generally speaking, there are so many different uh, symbols. There are so many different uh, stories uh, that... Uh, can apply even to everyday life, even today, which is quite fascinating. Um, well, what I um, what originally prompted me to write this book was the fact that I considered the story. I read the book uh, and liked it, and it, I thought it was quite f fresh and modern uh, after uh, almost three thousand years. Uh, <laughs> Um, and then I thought, but uh, this story is actually one-sided because it, it follows Odysseus, um, he, and we can 
discover almost day by day what happens to him over 20 years. But it doesn't say very much about uh, Penelope. She appears in a couple of scenes, but basically she just mentioned as a, as a prudent and steadfast wife. And I thought, no, it would be actually interesting to know what happened with Penelope, you know, day in, day out over this huge, you know, time period of 20 years. Um, that is an untold story. Why not write it? So in my uh, book uh, for each chapter that is about Odysseus, there is one about Penelope. Serbia is quite close to Greece. Correct. When Is there any... Because of the geographical closeness, is there any greater um, awareness in Serbia of Greek mythology than, say, in other places further away from Greece? No, I don't think so. I think uh, Greek mythology, culture, history is pretty much part of Western uh, thought and culture and civilization, if you wish. So I think it is present in every country. Moving from your own specific um, connection to the, the Odyssey to, to more generally the Greek Greek mythology and Greek stories seem to be retold again and again. Just this year I've reviewed um, Madeleine Miller's uh, Circe which is sourced in the Odyssey. Also Pat Barker's Silence of the Girls we did that a few weeks ago and that's basically a retelling of the Iliad but from the perspective of the women. And then also Stephen Fry's two books, Mythos, which came out last year, which was the, the Greek myth creation mythologies, and then Heroes, which is about the human heroes of Greek mythology. There's just almost an, uh, an unending appetite for Greek mythologies. Why do you, and, and you becoming part of that trend because you're mm -hmm. retelling the Odyssey. Why do you think the world's so hungry for the ret for for the retelling of Greek mythologies? Well, my um, my reasons for for immersing myself in the Odyssey and for writing a new version of it were quite personal, and uh, I was well into the novel when I realized that there was actually a whole genre uh, of, of of works that. Um, Use uh, you know storylines from from Greek mythology characters that are kind of spin-offs uh, in relation to the original uh, stories. Um, why is that? Uh, <laughs> is a f actually fascinating question in its own right. It is quite possible uh, that, um, as some people have actually um, said before and proved it in some cases. These uh, mythological stories contain some elements that actually are linked uh, with deeper layers of, of human psyche, and that actually maybe fires up individuals' imaginations, and then they decide to contribute to this corpus of, of works uh, that uh, has its roots in, uh, in uh, the Greek mythology. We are in conversation with Alexander Bajic. Baic. Baic. <laughs> He's born in Serbia, lives in South Africa. His book, Wanderings, is a retelling of the classical story of King Odysseus and Queen Penelope. That's the story of the Odyssey. We've got an ad break. We'll be back with more conversations straight afterwards. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. We're speaking to local author Alexander Baic. 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 Uh, 
he was born in Serbia, lives in South Africa, came here during the early 1990s. His story is, his book, Wanderings, is a retelling of the Odyssey, the classic Homeric text story of Odysseus's tenure journey home from the Trojan War back to Ithaca. On that point, can you reduce the story of the Odyssey into its most basic elements? Well, uh, it is, uh, and I'm not the first to say it, it is a multi-layer work. <laughs> um, so I think uh, quite uh, an obvious an obvious uh, element in, in the story is the, the, probably the, the main sort of motif is the journey home. Um, so, and obviously it is literal and metaphorical. Um, so that would be one aspect of it. Um, in In some way... You can actually read the Odyssey as a traveling show because you have this cast of characters, you know, Odysseus and his crew, and they go from one location to another, and then in each new place they um, they meet uh, a new uh, a new group of characters, and then there there are interactions between um, Odysseus and, and his men and uh, the people that inhabit this latest location. Um, I would imagine that when Odysseus, sorry, when the Odyssey was first written, it was meant to both entertain and educate uh, the listeners that uh, that used to listen to it. it. It was sung originally by bards in, in ancient Greece. Um, and there are so many, you know, uh, points that you can refer to. For example, um, apart from the journey home, there is, for example, the relationship between between Odysseus or, and all the Greeks, for that matter, and the Olympic gods, which is interesting because uh, if you look at the text, uh, the Greeks appear to be very religious people, but they don't completely trust their own gods because there is oh, there is this uh, reappearing theme where, where the Greeks actually say either to a, an Olympic god that they are conversing with or to each other, that maybe we are just toys in in a, in a greater game that gods uh, play between themselves. So that is another aspect, uh, and, and there are many others uh, th- that you can find uh, in the story. It's it's again, it's a complex story. Earlier this year, I read a children's retelling of the Iliad and the Odyssey to my sons. They loved it, but then I read your book as well, as well as Circe. So it's been a very, very Iliad and Odyssey and then also the silence of the, the silence of the girls has been a very, for me, my reading this is a big thing has been Iliad and Odyssey. So it's been a Homeric year. <laughs> uh, and I was so um, impressed to discover that there's so many English phrases that have entered into English culture that really their source, the earliest time they've been mentioned was in these books, like Lotus Eaters. Mm. There's so much that our our own world is informed by text that was written down by Homer, as you said, most probably 3,000 years ago. Um, in Wanderings, in some aspects, you, you stay true to Homer, but in others, you do depart and you add your own twist on, 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 on episodes within the Odyssey. One example was the Cyclops. You you have the Cyclops on his island, but you've changed the the you've you've changed him from the the classic uh, Homeric uh, Cyclops. Um, yes, um, 
I wanted to stay true to the original storyline. Um, um, that, that, that was the starting point, and uh, as you said, I think I, I, I actually um, kept to it. However, there are differences. The main we mentioned at the beginning, it was the addition of uh, Penelope story. A secondary motivation for me when I was writing the book was uh, to try and interpret some of the symbolic elements or mythological elements because it, it's sort of widely accepted that there are hidden messages, if you wish, or symbolic uh, messages um, in, in these myths, um, and some have been decoded already. So I tried and, 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 and provided my own interpretation of some scenes. Um, the, the, the episode with the Cyclops is one of them. In the original text, something interesting happens. Um, Odysseus and his men enter uh, the Cyclops' cave while he's absent. And then um, the Greeks say to, uh, to Odysseus, they're quite apprehensive, and, and they basically say, why don't we leave? What are we doing here? This is somebody else's home, and, and he's not at home. Uh, so what is he going to do when he finds us uh, here? Um, but Odysseus says something interesting. He says, I want to see if I can get presents from him. And I read that and I thought it was quite unusual, you know, if you think about that situation. So a group of people enters uh, somebody else's home without that person's permission and then waits there for presents from, from that person. So I actually decided to play around with that uh, original situation and I turned that into something more symbolic. I said in my story basically that what Odysseus really wanted was um, to get uh, spiritual presents uh, and I used the cave as a symbol of human psyche, which is actually quite quite well known symbol, together with a cellar or anything that is enclosed. Um, so, so that is uh, w- one way in which I interpreted the existing text. I didn't interfere much with the text, as, with the storyline as such, but it's just that it's a different slant on it. Another difference when Odysseus has to take his um, his fleet of ships through very dangerous straits. In the classic Odyssey, there's Scylla, this mm. human-eating monster. And actually, Madeline uh, Miller, in her book Circe, really builds that that Scylla, who was f- formerly a nymph and then became this monster. She really builds that part of the story up. You've changed that as well to make it far more understandable to a 21st century reader. Uh, yes, I've changed it. Again, I tried... Um to understand what it, what it means, because you know, I'm sure that you know um, when this story was written, was written in the seventh century BC, uh, the, there was no monster, there was no sea monster that that uh, ate ships and men. Uh, so what does it mean? So I tried hard to kind of decode it, and I came up with this thing that you're referring to. I'm not saying <laughs> this is the uh, definitive interpretation. It's just another possibility. So because because this was this was a dangerous voyage, and because you know in trying times people can become very upset and mutinous, I decided to turn that into a struggle, not with the monster, but within the crew. So it it became that crisis and and the, that situation which ended up in in the deaths of some. Um, uh, Greeks um, that I discovered uh, sorry, uh, that I described as basically an internal struggle, conflict um, between uh, mutinous sailors and, uh, and their leader uh, it, it was a wonderful change from the classic Homeric text I really enjoyed, I enjoyed that, 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 that retelling the Odysseus the main character Odysseus is a very complicated character He's not a straightforward hero. He's a, tra- he's a classic 
Greek tragic, a classic tragic Greek hero. Uh, we're going to have an ad break now. I'll just ask the question before we go into the break. He's a complicated character. He's placed into many challenges. When we come back from the ad break, I want to know as a writer how you related to Odysseus. We'll have that answer back. We'll have that answer from Alexander Bayek straight after this ad break. People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. This is People of the Book on 101.9 High FM. Just before the ad break, I posed a question to Alexander Bayek. The question is, what is his relationship with the main protagonist in the Odyssey, Odysseus? Not a, he's, not a, he's not a straightforward character. Mm. No, he's not. Um, so he is described in the original story as somebody who is, um, uh, who is wily, who is courageous, who is brutal when the situation requires it. Um, uh, also, um, he, he seems to have a series of affairs with goddesses and nymphs along the way. So see, he's, um, uh, again, a multi-layered character, and you can like him for some aspects of his personality and dislike him for others. Um, another thing I suppose that we should keep in mind is that he's based in a particular he, – he, he finds himself in a particular environment. In other words, it is the the frame of reference in which he's operated. So it is ancient uh, Greece uh, with its warrior ways and patriarchal culture and so on and so forth. Um so I decided to emphasize some aspects of, of his personality in the story. Um, for example, everybody considers him a hero, but there is actually at least one clear instance, and it is in the Iliad, that when, uh, when Odysseus is described as running away from, from military conflict. And actually one, I, I think it was uh, uh, Diomedes, one uh, Greek calls him a coward. It, it, and you can actually read it in the Iliad. Anyway, so he's contradictory because most often he is courageous and he considers himself to be a hero and everybody else uh, thinks the same. But in, in, def, in, in some definite situations, in, in some concrete situations, he actually, um, his courage leaves him. And he, there are some moments in my story when he doubts himself and he actually tries to answer that question, am I really uh, courageous or not? And the answer is not uh, simple, I suppose. Everybody knows that people react differently uh, in different situations. So, yes, uh, he's got his moments of weakness together with his uh, moments of, of gr uh, greatness. And maybe that's what makes him uh, convincing uh, as a character because nobody is just black and white. We're running out of time and I haven't got through all the questions that I've planned. Penelope, she is half this book. In the original uh, Odyssey, she really has very little, very few lines. But you've given her, like Pat Barker did with Brissais from the Iliad, you've given Penelope a substantial part of the narrative. Who is your Penelope? <laughs> no, I'm not saying in your personal life, I'm saying in the sure, book, yes. Uh, no, yes. of course, I understand. Um, well, um, uh, there isn't really uh, a, a real person that I modeled uh, Penelope on. Um, I simply, again, I started from the original storyline and just used it as a skeleton, and, and then I tried to add some flesh to it. And I uh, tried to uh, think, so what, he, what it 
what would it be like, you, you know, uh, for a woman to wait years and years and years, uh, raise a child on her own and try and fight off uh, op opportunistic neighbors that actually are trying to take over her uh, property uh, that are actually trying to force her into marrying one of them and so on and so forth. So so that was the starting point. Um, the way she came out in the book, I, th I think uh, um, she, she came out as as an admirable character because she has a lot of inner, inner struggles uh, and she wins and she, she approaches this uh, temptation, this uh, um, crisis uh, as somebody who is a long distance runner. It's an endurance race for her, uh, and she manages to 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 outlast all the all the problems. As much as I love the story of the Odyssey, I really did look forward to every chapter on Penelope just to see how you developed her story and how you you found a few reference points and you really filled in a whole life on Ithaca for this woman, um, Laodocus who is the goat herd, he's a slave, but he's got a whole history behind him. Is, is his, his a character in the Penelope part of the story? He's, he helps her run the, the estate, her, the, the king's estate. Is he based on anyone, or is he part of your filling in the gaps in Penelope? Because I did look up that there are people named mm. Laodicus in a number of different Greek mythologies. Yes. Um, uh, well, no, he's not uh, based on any real uh, Laodicus that actually um, is known in, in, in Greek history or mythology. Um, so it was, as, as you mentioned, I added him uh, as part of the effort to unfold uh, the existing storyline, to develop it further, you know, uh, to make it more complex and, and more maybe add more elements to it. Uh, so I, I think he's quite an interesting character, and it is something – and he's actually maybe – he's maybe the purest person in the book in the sense that uh, he's – the way he comes across is as somebody who is, who is strong, generous, helpful, unselfish, and that makes him almost ideal um, – because you, there is no apparent downside to him, uh, you know. So he's consistent, and he's quite noble. He's actually a slave, but in, in terms of his character, his characteristics, he's more noble than than uh, many noblemen in 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 the book. Last question: Are you working on anything at the moment? Uh, yes, uh, I'm writing uh, a novel. Uh, it's a story from the contemporary South African life, so it's very different from this one. Very different. Okay. We've been in conversation with Alex Alexander Bajic. He is born in Serbia, South African, lives in South Africa for the last 30 or so years. Uh, the book that we've been discussing, Wanderings, is the retelling of the classical story of King Odysseus and Queen Penelope. It's published by Porcupine Press. It is available in shops at the moment, and it's been our pleasure having you on the show. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure for me as well. For the next few weeks, um, everyone's on holidays, so there will be lots of reading. Good Shabbos for this weekend, lots of reading, and hopefully next week we'll have an interview with Christopher Hope who um, is a South African author. His book that came out earlier this year is called The Café de Move on Blues, and that will be played next week uh, on the show. So until then, good Shabbos, keep reading, and uh, yeah, enjoy your holidays.